you're very welcome along to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. Porrick, good morning to you, good sir. Good morning, Deirdre, and it's lovely to have you back. Thank you very much. <laughs> we nice missed to you be for back. the last two weeks. <laughs> oh, well, no, I think a uh, big thanks to Viv for uh, sitting in. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, yourself. Nice to have a break, but nice to be back at Any the same time. Any bit of gardening? Small bit. Good. Bit well of grass cut. That's as, well far, no, that's as far as it got. Oh, I, won't, well, that's I, won't a tell, I won't tell a lie, but a uh, it was a start. And it's early yet, yeah. anyway. Uh, so it was nice to nice to get that bit done anyway. Yeah. 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 Well the good news is that the, the weather is improving from next week. I mean we're gonna have a two or three miserable days now with, with uh rain. It is going to get milder, which is good, and growth is going to start. And um then from Wednesday onwards it's going to be beautiful and Easter is next weekend. Um so just a couple of little tips for myself. First of all, the season is late, so spring is late at the moment, which is good in one sense in that people if they need to move plants, so we often get asked about moving plants around the garden. So if if you've got a plant that you you fancy moving uh, to another location, well, this is this is the week. This is the weekend to do it if you can. But certainly by next week, as as the temperatures get wild, milder and warmer, growth is going to be uh, kicking off very strongly. So. In terms of moving plants, get them moved this weekend or up to kind of Tuesday, Wednesday of this coming week and take as much soil as possible and, and move it all in one go. Secondly, the pruning of plants, again, grow to slow on things like roses and apple trees. So if you haven't got out there with the secateurs and done the pruning, then do it this weekend right. as well. So even though you'll see some young buds and new growth beginning to start, um, you can safely cut back things like blackcurrants and gooseberries and apple trees and roses and Plant shrubs like dogwoods, the, the lovely cornice that give us that lovely red stem colour during the winter, they should be pruned at this time of year. Um, grasses like pampas grass, if you want to cut that back. So the general pruning and tidying is normally done kind of in early March, but because the season is late this year, feel free to get out with the secateurs and do a bit of a tidying up uh, and cutting back of plants. The other word of, I suppose, advice would be that uh, with the warm weather, particularly from Wednesday and it's going to go right through Easter. Garden centres are going to be very, very busy. So my advice is to visit your local garden centre, stay within your five kilometres. Mm -hmm. You can shop online. Most garden centres are offering um, online service. But plants particularly vegetable plants, fruiting plants, seeds are scarce this year. So the growers are, uh, they have seen an unprecedented demand on, on plants just because people are at home and everybody is gardening. Um, so really my advice is visit your local garden centre this weekend rather than leaving it till next weekend because A, from a COVID aspect and a safety aspect, it's better uh, not to go next weekend when it's going to be very busy. And also just from a, a selection point of view, I think by by um, Easter Sunday, it'll be it a little bit be, like it might be meagre, might it? It'll be like the Easter eggs. <laughs> well, they'll be they'll be miserable picking. So yeah. my advice is maybe pop into your local garden centre over the next two to three days, get what you need, and then you've got the good weather coming um, over the uh, Easter weekend. So it's going to be great gardening weather. I think it's going to be a tsunami of of, of people. In. Oh, really? Okay. I think so because there's a lot of pent up demand, uh, but certainly. Certainly, genuinely, there's a, there's a scarcity of, of um, the, the nurseries are under a lot of pressure this year. And we're seeing it worldwide. We're seeing it in the UK and in Germany and all over the world. Uh, gardening is it's great in one sense, but it, it kind of frustrates people when uh, garden centres are running out of stuff. Yeah. So now it is, you know, there's plenty of stuff being produced and it's coming on. And, you know, if, if people can, uh, a little bit of patience, there'll be plenty of stock available. But I suppose my tip really thinking about this morning is, 
it's going to be wet tomorrow so maybe tomorrow's the day to do your shopping and right. then do your planting kind of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next oh, week when people are off. Um, so they're, the, they're just a couple of uh, key tips obviously with Easter it's early this year of course and um, you know normally Easter I believe lamb is trending very strongly Borbia put out a kind of warning that people are they're going for the traditional lamb it, the sales of lamb have really? just oh they've just gone north this year because people again are planning I suppose they're going back to that traditional thing of you know lamb, lamb for lamb Easter, Easter and, yeah, yeah. and they're going to kind of they're going to have something special but it's a great time as well for planting herbs and I always kind of associate Easter with the planting of herbs and we chatted about it before and, and this is a really good time to plant up herbs in general but also Easter colour it's lovely to plant a little bit of colour for Easter and there's so many plants available at the moment the spring pansies and violas are just coming into flower the lovely osteospernums which flower right through the summer they've just started to flower at the moment and they come in a whole range of different colours and they're beautiful and containers or window boxes just add a little bit of splash of colour yeah. and I think we all need a bit of that lift in, I'm the, just thinking, in the garden yeah, yeah definitely any little bit at all that where it gives us a bit of colour and something to look out at and does lift the spirits is so important right Yeah, now. and there's some lovely plants like the blue campanulas are in flower at the moment and they're all frost hardy. There's no danger of, of if you put them outside, they'll be perfectly fine and they just give that lovely splash of kind of spring colour, I think. But also thinking about, um, you know, the sowing of vegetables and most vegetable plants are perfectly hardy out of doors. You do need to be careful with things like tomatoes, uh, basil, herb, bedding plants, kind of marigolds and geraniums if you have those started, keep them in at the moment. But certainly all of the others, the pansies and the violas and particularly vegetable plants like peas and lettuce and spinach and beetroot, they can be planted and they're available in plants in your local garden centre at the moment. But also plant some seed at the moment because that is really the, this is the time of year now for sowing the seed of both flowering and edible plants. Don't forget the potatoes. It's still potato planting season. I know the weather conditions have been quite difficult mm. for people to get them into the ground, but it's a good time to get them, to get them sprouted. And as we always advise people on the programme, grow varieties that you just won't, you won't yes, get in the shop. shop. So yeah. varieties like Navin and Miranda, if you like a rooster potato, grow a variety called Foxton. It's a beautiful red skin variety with a better flavour than rooster and, and still is a very good cropper. Vitabella, I've talked about that a couple of times in the programme. That's probably one of my top varieties to plant this year because it's an early variety it's blight resistant it's great for chips and roasties and it's one for you can grow in pots and containers as well and how are we on stocks of not too potato? bad but it's still we, we were a couple of weeks back if memory serves uh, we were saying there might be a bit of a, a challenge this year they're very scarce from Scotland there's a ban since January but some of the Irish producers in, in um, Armagh and in Donegal had some stock so, so. garden centres were able to get um, some varieties and you know and some very good and usual varieties as well that we traditionally maybe not wouldn't have had but there is some stock but again look another week or two that they will be gone so it's still plenty of time to sprout uh, potatoes at this time of year and the pruning of hydrangeas is probably the most popular question you and <laughs> I get is, here is, on is, the programme. Officially the we can we can <laughs> announce that this is the time of year to start pruning back your hydrangeas so removing the old flowering stems cut them back to as close to soil level as you can, give them a little bit of a feed now at this time of year and um, you know, they're going to, they're kicking into growth already. Yes. There's some new growth starting. So it's hydrangea planting time. So they're the type of things to be, uh, to getting busy with. Hanging baskets, if you're thinking of maybe of, um, I, I actually planted up, uh, I did a little video for Bordemona during the week and we planted up uh, mojita. <laughs> 
hanging baskets. A mojito hanging basket. <laughs> so it was full of, um, well, you could have it with Prosecco as well or mojito. Or, so they asked me to do something so different. So we've got mints in it, have we? So what we've got in it is I put in five strawberry plants. So again, this is the time for yeah. planting strawberries. So I put five strawberry plants into the basket. I put three different variety of herbs. So I put some spearmint, some lemon thyme, and some marjoram, which are all edible. I'll have one of those mojitos, thank you. Yeah, I also planted, um, so I had the strawberries, I had the herbs, I had edible flowers, so we put in some violas as edible flowers, because you can freeze those in in the ice cubes, or you can use them in drinks as a decorative, and of course they're totally edible. And finally I planted six nasturtium seed, a variety called tutti frutti, I've mentioned it here in the programme before, it's brilliant for hanging baskets and all you simply do is push the seed into the edge of the hanging basket they germinate, you can eat the leaves of nasturtiums of course, but the flowers are fabulous as well. So we've got nasturtiums we've got strawberries, we've got herbs and we have violas all in the one hanging basket and they were asking me the question, surely there's too many plants in, and I said no, the more competition that's in the basket, you know, so all of those plants, A, they're going to be something different, there's going to be lots of flower colour, but most of it is, is, all of it is edible and brilliant for drinks or for salads or Or whatever, something different anyway. And uh, colour on that tutti frutti, what what colour? Tutti frutti nasturtium, so first of all it's a dwarf variety, it's a trailing variety, so it's very suitable for window boxes, hanging basket containers, It'll trail about a foot or maybe 15 inches out of the basket. Um, the leaves are a lovely bright uh, green, but the flowers are orange, yellow, you know, slightly red, cream colour. So you've got a whole mixture of colour in Tutti Frutti. And it's a great one for children because the seeds are quite large. They're easy to sow and you simply just push them into the edge of the basket. And finally, think about children. And Therese was asking me this morning, actually, I mentioned about the coronet apple tree last week. Okay. And, and a couple yeah. of, of people actually asked me about it again to mention it again. So the coronet apple tree, if you want a little project for the children, or maybe the grandparents want to do something yeah. with the grandkids Lovely. or whatever. Yeah. So here's a little simple project to do over Easter. Get yourself a coronet apple tree and get the variety called the family apple tree because it's got two different varieties of apple on the one tree. It's, you, all you need is a big pot, a terracotta pot or a plastic pot, a bit of multi-purpose compost. You plant the coronet tree right in the centre of the uh, container. It's got two varieties, eating varieties. They'll both cross-pollinate. They will fruit this year. If you plant them, they'll fruit this year. And underplant them with strawberries. So put five strawberry plants underneath the base of them and you get have strawberries and apples to look forward to this summer. That sounds And like a simple little project. It will yeah. take you... 15 minutes to put it all together or 20 minutes to put it all together and something to look forward to this year and guaranteed it will flower and fruit both the strawberries and, and the, the apples, apples will fruit this year. This year. Okay, mm-hmm. so, which is, so you don't so have to, a little project don't have to, to wait try. Too long. Lovely idea. Lovely yeah. idea. Okay, um, so that's, I suppose, uh, quite a lot covered there already. Right, Pork, let's uh, turn our attention to some of the texts from a little bit earlier on. We're going to start off with a question on laurels. And okay. Somebody's got laurel cuttings here, three years old. It's too late. To, they're wondering, is it too late to transplant them as a hedge? Uh, they're about two foot now. Oh no, it's a perfect, like I said at the start of the programme, if you need to transplant plants, transplant them now, do it this weekend if you can, or Monday, Tuesday, up to kind of maybe next weekend, it's safe to transplant them. Little tip, just cut the tops of the laurels, so trim them back before lifting, dig them up, replant them, spacing them 18 inches apart, and you'll have a fabulous hedge. Super duper. Now, last year, a uh, listener here, Vincent, sowed potatoes in moorland. They got wireworm. Okay. He's wondering, should he move them upland? And he's wondering about the name of the product for wireworm. Well, wireworm, first of all, lives up to three years in the, in the ground. Oh. So it's, it's the larvae of the click beetle. 
and um, so yeah it can be in the ground for up to three years so definitely and and one of what one something you'll find is that if you grow early varieties like the vitabella I mentioned or um, you know even records if you plant records at this time of year and, mm. and harvest them early wormworm is not as much as a problem. It tends to be more of a problem, particularly on main crop varieties like Curse Pinks and Golden Wonders, because they're in the soil longer and the wireworm can do a lot of damage on them. But yeah, it would be better to move to a new location. Moorie land is always great for potatoes because it's easy dig and it's, uh, you know, the potatoes do, particularly Golden Wonders, do really well in it. But I would move it to a new piece of soil and um, maybe focus more on early varieties. Unfortunately, there's no treatment. Well, the nematodes would be, and if, if they come available mm. now, because they come in from the UK, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see are they going to be available this year or not that's the only treatment there's no other um, chemical treatment shall we say or pesticide that are used anymore for wireworm and and, you know probably rightly so so grow early varieties select a new piece of of ground I would advise this year and um, you know get your spuds in the next couple of weeks. Okay, and the shifting of location yep. should hopefully resolve yeah, yeah. that for you. Uh, do Horkins have cabbage plants? Uh, can't get them anywhere? Probably one of the one of the only vegetables we don't have at the moment, but yeah, no, cabbage <laughs> plants are deadly scarce, yeah. But look at it. Can we sow from seed? Yes, you can, and, and such an easy crop to sow from seed. There's a really good variety called Hispe, which, which is generally ready after about six to eight weeks from sowing, so that's the one I would sow. Our Greyhound is another really good uh, variety to sow at this time of year. But yeah, sow the seed. You could even You'd start them off indoors if you wanted on your windowsill. They'll germinate within two to three weeks. You'll plant them out by the middle of April and you'll have lovely heads of cabbage by early summer. Okay. So yeah, get the seed in. You know, it's, it's cabbage in particular and most vegetables are very easy to sow from seed and you don't necessarily have to sow them directly out of doors. You can start them off inside. inside. Lovely. Now, we've got a problem with, with, with liverworth in shrubs. How yeah. do we get rid of it? Do you know the old it? liverworth? That's that kind of, um, it's a kind of an algae, is it? Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a lichen. It's, it's a, a lichen. lichen. Yeah, yeah. So, and it tends to grow on, on particularly if the soil is heavy and moist, you get the liverwort spreading across the, the top of it. And it, it grows like moss, literally across the, uh, the, the surface of the soil. The best way I find to get rid of it is to use a good garden hoe. <laughs> when, when things dry out because right. uh, the liverworth is, is very close to the surface it's easy to kind of scrape it off um, if, you wa- if you want to use a, a treatment the only treatment that I find effective is actually the pack treatment that we use for the hard surface areas for moss but you need to be careful that you don't spray your shrubs with that but that, that will kill liverworth as well but the good garden hoe and uh, with this dry weather coming next week mm-hmm. maybe next weekend over the Easter you could away. work off that lamb by <laughs> giving the whole garden a bit of a hole. bit of a balance. Yeah. Would, would it be very prevalent at the moment, Liverworth? Uh, well, we've had such a wet autumn and winter that definitely anybody that has Liverworth in their garden, it, it tends to be um, problematic. It will spread during the winter period a bit like moss and, and cover the ground. Uh, so, no, it doesn't do any damage to the plants. It's mm. more that it's unsightly than anything else. Mm. Uh, you know, people find it unsightly. But um, And you'll often find in during the winter in cold, frosty weather, it tends to shrivel up and you can rake it off very easy. It's kind of one of those plants that, but it, certainly in dry weather, that's the time to attack it. Right. And with the kind garden. of dehydrates, it's obviously it dehyd- yeah. exactly. It's full of moisture, and once it dehydrates, it's easy kind of uh, uh, hold it off the ground and rake it off. Okay, let's move on to carrot root fly. Uh, Mira, somebody's wondering here, what can they do? They sprayed them with UniPro root fly control. Still yeah. ended up with carrot fly. Yeah, so UniPro is is it's it's specifically for root pests like carrot root fly and cabbage root fly, and it's based on garlic. 
So it's a heavy concentration of garlic. So it's a natural product, very safe to use. Um, but having said all of that, it, it, it's not that it's going to kill the actual pest. The smell of it keeps the carrot root fly or try it, it, it tends to keep the carriage root fly away from it so you have to use it on a regular basis so I, I wouldn't just stop using the um, the root treatment the uni plumo uh, spray but what I would advise is using some of the resist fly or fly away seed so you'll get that in your local garden centre at the moment specifically resistant seed for a carriage root fly and continue to use the root treatment as well Okay, great. Now, uh, listener wondering, is it possible to move an old sweet box shrub? It's possibly 20 years old. Ah, a lovely plant. So sweet box is a plant called Saracocca. Saracocca, it's an evergreen plant. It's it's like boxwood in that it's got lovely dark green leaves, mm-hmm. but it's beautifully scented through the winter period. So it actually flowers through the winter. It comes oh. into flower in December and flowers right through to the end of February. And it's a great plant for shade. So I have it planted myself under an old sycamore tree and it, it's absolutely lovely every winter. And sort of plant that the flowers are in, inconspicuous. They're so small, but if you bring it, Cut a piece of it and bring it into your home. It'll actually fill the house with a beautiful sweet scent. It's like a hyacinth, oh, that wow. type of sweet nice. scent. So that's Saracocca. Now, look, 20 years old, It's the, the age of is going against the plant. If you have to move it, then move it, as I said, this week and try and take as much soil as possible um, without, you know, do as minimum root damage bring a ball of soil with it, replant it to the same level and fingers crossed it should it should be okay. But, you know, when you're moving younger plants, it's not a problem. Like the laurel question we had, two-year-old, three-year-old laurel, no problem transplanting those. Even if you're rough and you're, you're, you hand them uh, roughly, they'll still yeah. grow. But an older plant, naturally enough, because of its age, doesn't transplant as easy but if you have to move it then this is the week to do it okay and we have a question here on daffodils and daffodils are really looking super duper at the moment i see them in all colors and sizes and spaces um but here we've got something eating the flowers on the daffodils well slugs and snails will eat there's actually very few um very few animals that will eat daffodils. That's why you'll often see daffodils flowering in a in a field in a field because the cattle won't touch them because they're full of a they're full of a kind of very um, the, the 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 sap within the leaf uh, has a has a toxic taste that that goats and cattle and so on dislike. So they're all often left. But the one thing that will eat them is our, our friend the slug and snail, yes. and we'll damage them. Look at a small bit of damage on the daffodil. It's not going to do it any. I wouldn't be bothering putting any. And often that can occur when they're beneath the soil. So as the buds are growing, the slugs and snails will often attack them during the winter period. So when the flower then opens, you're seeing the damage that was caused Lost. two months ago. Right. So there's no point in, in putting anything on them now. Just let them flower. Start feeding your daffodils now. Once the flowers start to go off, give them a liquid feed of something like Blooming Magic or Miracle Grow. Um, feed them for the next six weeks. Build them up for next year. And if you do want to transplant them, this is a really good time of year for digging them up and splitting them and moving them to new areas. Okay, great. Now, we've got a question over on WhatsApp. We're going to turn our attention there for a little bit. Mm. Uh, could you advise on a new garden starting from scratch? Want good colour and a nice smell? All right. A nice smell. Yeah, well, there you like go. That. So the sweet box, box will be a yeah. will be a, a super choice of a plant and a relatively easy plant to grow. So look for that one, sweet box. But also send to plants. You've got things, lilacs. 
such an easy plant to grow, beautiful scent in May. You've got a lovely plant called Choicea ternata, which is um, the Mexican orange blossom, and it smells of oranges when it comes into flower. It flowers during the kind of early summer period. Beautiful um, green foliage, it's evergreen. It also comes in a variety called Choicea sundance, which has yellow foliage and white flowers. Um, quite a nice plant. Many of the viburnums are scented, and particularly a lot of them flower through the winter period. So look for the winter flowering viburnums. They're really nice. Mahonia, which flowers in early spring, is scented as well. Um, What else have we got that's scented? You've got the honeysuckle, of course. Beautiful climbing plant that's easy to grow. Probably my most favourite garden plant uh, that flowers through the winter is is, is a Daphne called Jacqueline Postel. And it was grown by a man called Postel. And it was named Jacqueline after his wife. Lovely. And it's it's a, again I have it's it's still in flower in my garden at the moment, and it's been flowering since Christmas. And again, it's a plant you can pick, and again put it in the car as an air freshener. I brought it into Tommy here actually uh, back in February okay. when it was in flower. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was he was impressed with the smell of the flower. It was a beautiful plant. So that's a Daphne called Jacqueline Postel. Um, that's one I'd plant as well. So, look, there's lots of really good scented Scent. garden nice. shrubs. Ask in your local garden centre. And try to pick f- plants that flower at different times of the year so that your garden looks pretty. That you have got a bit of longevity bit of to it. scent and, and a bit yeah. of colour right through all, the winter. And it's not all just a, kind of a, a, a quick wonder as yeah, such. Yeah, well that's why gardens look so brilliant in April and May because that's when people t- traditionally visit the garden centres and they buy everything that's in flower. So it's all it's all. It's <laughs> so it's all full in. of cherries right. and forsythiae and all the spring plants. When you think about it, most gardens look absolutely brilliant in springtime. But by summertime they're beginning to lose a bit of colour and particularly in winter there's very seldom you see uh, some of the lovely winter flowering plants because people just aren't gardening at that time of year Okay, so a bit of planning. So bit, of, bit, of, bit, of, bit of planning as you're yeah, going along. Yeah. Now yeah. we've got a f- couple of photographs in here. Um, so wondering oh, about the identification hyacinths. of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's your hyacinth. So, yeah, so, so this is so this is in a the listener has planted in a, a purple, purple pot. pot. So these are hyacinth bulbs, and if they have them inside, they've got a beautiful scent, beautiful spring flowering plant. Um, they'll stay in flower indoors for probably another two weeks, maybe mm-hmm. three weeks, and then my advice is to plant them out of doors. So they're absolutely fabulous, and they've got some begonia here as well. Yeah, so Mary Ooh, has last really well. year's begonias well sowed in pots indoors uh, on the windowsill. Well, coming on there. Absolutely. Uh, wondering when will they start to feed them? Well, you could start giving them a light liquid feed now. I mean, they're only they're, the plants are the, the leaves are what about maybe two or three inches wide at the moment. So a liquid feed again, something like blooming magic or a tomato feed at this time of year. Feed them can kind of maybe every three to four weeks just now and then as the flower buds start to form start feeding them weekly remember not to put them outside they are frost sensitive so keep them in certainly to the end of April so it's May really when we start planting out begonias out of doors because a night's frost will see them off same with dahlias or marigolds don't be tempted to put them out too early right. but certainly it's fine to have them yeah. potted up and I would say that listener will actually have to repot those again to a bigger pot because, because they're too well they're, they're growing really well and give them another two or three weeks indoors they're going to double their size okay. particularly with a little bit of liquid feed so move them on into a slightly bigger pot and then get them ready for going out in early May they should be fine by the oh, time they'll be they, beautiful they, and then they they they'll have... flower until November yeah. like they're fantastic 
Now we have questions from James here. Can I plant strawberries in pots? If so, how do I protect them from rotting and slugs? And the second question, I've been trying to get phlox subulata plants. Excellent, well done. Thank you. Uh, without success, will garden centres have them? Yeah, they should have them at the moment. So this is a beautiful variety of phlox subulata. Is a ground covering phlox. So it actually grows across the ground. Where Many listeners will know the upright, old-fashioned cottage garden phlox that grows a metre high and mm-hmm. it's beautiful. This is a ground covering variety. It grows like actually moss on the ground. The leaf is a, it's often called the moss phlox because its leaves are like moss but the flowers are absolutely beautiful. This variety like Dan, Daniel's cushion and so on that produce these lovely purple, pink, white flowers. Lovely in an alpine bed or rockery bed. It's a perennial plant that comes back every year and like moss itself, it covers and carpets the ground. Sounds great. Okay. So, is it available? Availability. I'm yeah. nearly certain we have it in the garden centre okay. in Castlebar. Um, ring first ring. before you go down, just 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 to check. Um, but it, it it it's a plant that you'd normally plant in the springtime. So that's the flocks. In relation to strawberries, yeah, pots are a great way to grow strawberries. Window boxes, hanging baskets, patio planters, pots, perfect way to grow them. You can put as the fruit as the flowers start to form and the fruit begin to form, put a little bit of straw underneath them. You could put some eggshells to keep the slugs away mm-hmm. or use some of the organic treatments as well. But one of the best ways to grow strawberries is in containers and now is the time to plant them. And okay. they're perfectly fine outdoors. Outdoors. Yeah, uh, the frost won't affect them. They're perfectly oh, fine. Oh, brilliant. Now, uh, Michael has, is what looking for advice. He is a large formium. Yeah. Uh, if he cuts back to ground level, will it regrow? And then separately, has a rose bed covered with decorative chips? Can he scatter rose food on top or does he need to pull back uh, some of the chippings to get the food to the roses? Okay, so two great questions. And and first of all, the formium. So formium is the New Zealand flax. It has these beautiful sword-like leaves. And the great thing about it is it responds to hard cutting back brilliantly. So, so chop you to- away. Chop as much as you want. The other thing that Michael could do if he if he f- feels energetic is to actually dig the formium up and split it into two or three pieces and here you've got yourself th- two or three new plants and replant one of the plants back into the, the um, area. So chop it back, you can cut right back to within two or three inches of soil level and it'll regrow again, particularly after you feed it. And in relation to the, um, we're often asked this question about mm. roses or shrubs where people have put the, mo- the membrane down and either bark or stone, you just chuck the fertilizer on top the rain will do the rest. Don't worry about the fertiliser will disappear within a couple of days. So Mother Nature will take care of it. It'll percolate down through the chippings and through the mypex and feed your plants. So don't don't be pulling back the stones. Literally just chuck it on around the base of the roses. Okay. Uh, we've got somebody wondering about uh, cutting back an escalonia hedge and if so, how much? Is it okay? Can we do it now? Well, in general, the pruning back of hedges, first of all, you need to check that there, there are no nesting birds there. So it's, it's one of the kind of key things we, we look at. Uh, so if birds are popping in and out of the hedge then leave the hedge alone until uh, later on in the season um, having said that if you do prune the escalone you can prune it now mm-hmm. but it will flower later in the summer so it'll flower kind of uh, you, you'll skip flowering for about at least a month but you'll get that those flowers then later in autumn and early winter so yes you can trim it back now give it a feed after trimming and um, you're only going to delay the flowering it's not that it won't flower you're just delaying the flowering process oh. this year. Okay. Well, Ideally, Escalonia should be pruned 
after flowering. So kind of late summer, early autumn is a good time to trim it back. But having said all of that, if you do prune it now, it's perfectly fine. Okay, we've got a, a photograph of a camellia here. You sure do. Uh, not flowering, but it is growing. It's probably a bit like the yellow looking side. Sickly. Yeah, any ideas why it's three <laughs> years old? We can't quite tell if it's in a pot or the ground. Yeah, there's, there's certainly grass and weeds there at the base of it. So if it's in a pot, um, certainly the, you need to, I would repot it because the plant is very hungry. So the plant, to, for, for other listeners, it's it's very yellow in colour. It's still got a glossy, a glossy green leaf and some of the leaves are gone brownish in colour and there's no sign of any flower buds. So it's hungry, it's a little bit sickly. If it's in a pot, I would repot it. So take it out of the pot that it's in, take all the, the vegetation that's at the base of it away, um, shake off some of the old excess of soil and, and repot it with an ericaceous compost mixed with some slow-released ericaceous feed. If the plant is in the ground, then you need to, again, remove the weeds at the base of it and start to feed it. It's not going to flower this year because the flower buds are produced on camellias yeah. in the autumn, So, but you're building it up for next year. And camellias are beautiful this year. I've seen some absolutely cracking yeah. examples of camellias in flower. They're absolutely stunning. Uh, I have seen not so much camellias. I've noticed some magnolias really coming in at oh, the minute, magnolias. and they are yeah, yeah. So it yeah, could, and when you see the cherries this year, um, you know, and, and definitely when we have a, I'm trying to think back. Did we have a good summer last year? We had a Which, great spring. If well, you remember. yeah, but so yeah. if you get the bit of heat at all, yeah. you tend to it tends to ripen the buds for the spring. Okay. But anyway, Martin has a question in about a box ball it's in a pot outside the door and he's wondering is it dead or if there's any chance of recovering it it's pretty brown oh, Martin I'd say this is one that you didn't water too often <laughs> to be honest <laughs> and you know sometimes people forget to water plants particularly particularly when they're close to a patio door like that or oh, they're sitting outside cause yeah, because because we think the rain hits it and but it's it. not you see and, and that's the thing and particularly with, with uh, plants like uh, boxwood or box balls they tend to be the leaves are so tight in them the water doesn't penetrate down into the compost and this is typically a plant that has just it has just dried out so my advice to Martin is to check to see pull back the branches and see is there any green growth right in the centre if there is cut back to that level repot it into a larger pot move it away from where it is (laughs) out where it's going to get some rain and do keep it well watered so okay. plants in pots do need to be watered over the winter period, you know, they, they, particularly if they're up against a wall or they're in a rain shadow, um, you know, they, they, you, they, they need the odd drink. Okay, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd be guilty, I'd be guilty of that yeah, approach to myself. It's totally natural, yeah. you'd forget. Yeah. Now, um, we have some calla lilies here, is it, or canna lilies? Yeah, I'm this, never quite sure which, which yeah, they so the are. Yeah, so the listeners destry, describe them as canna lilies, but they're actually calla, C-A-L-L-A or arum lilies, but they're beautiful. And they're asking the question... Uh, How can they support them going oh, forward? Oh, support them. Yeah, okay. as they okay. fall and break with the bad and weather. The, and they will, and they will need... So, arum lilies are a herbaceous plant. They die back to nothing in the winter and start to re-emerge at this time of year. And this, again, is a great time of year to split them if you want. But they do need some support. So, just some simple bamboo canes or... Even if you cut a little bit of white thorn and pushed it down, in, you know, the stems mm. of it, the plant will grow up through it. It'll hide the actual white thorn, but the plant will, the white thorn will give it a little bit of structure. And we often do that with peas or um, sweet pea and plants like that, just to give them a little bit of structure. So a couple of bamboo canes, or you can get proper uh, herbaceous kind of uh, metal 
frames that will fit around them as well and the plant will grow up through, through it, them. hide it, hide the frame and yet the frame gives them that support, support because right. they are arm lilies, they're tall, the wind catches them particularly and they're so suitable for windy areas that people tend to plant them in seaside areas but then the wind tends to knock them and push right. them around and so on. So it's a good idea to give them a bit of support and that would apply to many herbaceous plants like lupins or uh, delphiniums or flocks. This is the, as they're emerging now. This is a good time to put down some support and put the support in a way that the plant can actually grow up through it and hide the support. support yeah. And you won't see the support again until November till the, next year, and you can take it away. Up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I do love those calla lilies. I just think there's such a sense of summer about them. Um, now we've got two red robins in pots. Great. Just wondering how much I can cut them back. As much as you want. And and the great thing about Fortinia red robin is that it responds to trimming back really, really well. And, you know, I would always advocate that you prune it at least two or three times of year. So get a garden shears, shear it back, even though there's new growth on it at the moment and it's lovely and red, you're only going to sacrifice that for a couple of weeks. By trimming it back today, it'll come into growth and it will double the amount of colour you get from the plant. So the more trimming on Fortinia Red Robin, the better. Otherwise, it gets tall and leggy and um, you just lose the colour from the plant. So get out there with shears and give it a trim back. Trim it again maybe at the middle of May and again maybe in the middle of July. And that encourages lots of fresh new growth so you get that lovely red colour for longer. Okay, great. Now I have a 12 foot north facing area. Great. Photograph in, so it's quite a bare space it has to be said. Would like to plant some flowering shrubs. Any suggestions? So we've yeah. kind of got a border area there. Yeah, and even though it's north facing, it's still relatively well lit um, and it's it's kind of L-shaped. So one section is, is north facing. So the other section is getting, uh, it's either west or east facing, so it's getting mm. a good bit more more light. Um, so again, look, it's it's a perfect border. For the shaded area, shade tolerant plants include things like the spider's plant, which is, um, it's a, a variegated, beautiful, bright variegated foliage. It does have flowers on it, but it's mainly grown for its variegated leaf. And particularly in a north facing aspect, it, it lifts the colour. So it's a plant called spider's web, um, fatsia spider's web. The spotted laurels would go really well here as well. The acubas, there's many different varieties of them. They would add a nice punch of, of colour. Hostas will tolerate shade. A still base will tolerate shade as well, which are both flowering plants, but grow really well in shade. So look, my advice is really take, bring the photograph into your local garden centre. And, and I would advise that to people that if they're planting up areas, take pictures of them on your phone, bring it into the garden centres because it's great to see it visually and to describe it to the staff rather than trying to do it verbally. And, you know, the, they'll pick out a selection. There's plenty of um, shade tolerant plants that would be suitable there. Brilliant. I bought a magnolia tree Great. wondering do I need certain kind of soil for it asks Anne. Yeah so magnolia is a little bit like camellias and rhododendrons like an ericaceous soil. They do better if it's uh, it's got a low lime level. So again my advice here would really to get, get yourself a, a bag of ericaceous compost dig that into the soil for, for planting but also get some of the slow release ericaceous feed uh, in granulated form and dig that into the soil as well and put the magnolia in. Or indeed grow the magnolia in a pot as well with, with the, the ericaceous compost. Now I planted a boxwood hedge about three years ago. <coughs> it hasn't grown much in that time. Will it eventually grow into a hedge or will it remain small? Any advice asks Michael in Sligo. Well, it's doing it's it's doing exactly what you'd expect. After three years, the box would have only have grown six inches or seven inches. So they are slow growing. And you, when selecting a hedge, obviously you need to select the plant that suits the that's going to grow to the height that you want. Yeah. So boxwood is slow growing. But having said all that, it'll grow to eight or nine feet in our lifetime. <laughs> okay. 
So depending on what type. So it's suitable for a hedge, say, up to a metre high, generally speaking, you know, two feet, three feet. But if you're looking for kind of a five or six foot hedge, then you need something a little bit more vigorous like Portuguese laurel or Iliagnus or something that's a little bit more vigorous. So depending on what the height the listener wants eventually. So boxwood is very slow growing and that's the attractive thing about it because it takes very little maintenance to keep it trimmed and tidied. Okay, great. So it's doing as it should, Michael. It should, yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Now, my wife, uh, my late wife, bought this plant prior to her death and this listener asks, how can they revitalise it? Okay, so it's it's showing a little bit of browning and yellowing. and this So this is a bromeliad. It's an indoor plant. Yeah. Um, it's probably Guzmania is, is the variety. And this is this is exactly how it should look like. So the old flowering stem is beginning to die off, but you can see lots of young shoots coming from the base. So bromeliads normally grow in trees. They're what we call epiphytes. So they live on trees, on branches, and they have aerial roots that kind of go into mosses and lichen. And as the old flowering stem uh, fades, it literally dies away. So that should be cut off. And the green remaining stem, so tidy up any of the brown uh, leaves that are on the plant or any of the old flowers and repot it into a larger pot and it'll start to grow again. It'll produce lots of offsets, little yes, side shoots, shoots here yeah. and they'll all make new plants. You can actually divide them if you wanted and make two or three plants from it. So trim off anything that's brown or beginning to, to fade and then repot the plant into a larger pot, keep it indoors in a bright window cell and it will actually produce those that lovely, it was probably a red or pink flower that was on the, on the, the plant uh, okay. when it was purchased. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Now, uh, another photograph uh, of a landscape here. Okay. Uh, good morning. Uh, I've planted a laurel hedge last yeah. year. Some plants are healthy, but others are doing very badly. Their leaves are brown and have holes in them. Should I replace them or will they recover? So it's a fairly exposed it is. site. And that's the problem here. Even though the listener has, has used um, shelter netting in, in to the backs of the laurel, it's just too exposed. Yeah. So to be honest, look at look how open the, the site this is. is yeah. um, and, and laurel, you know, it, it, again, it's about picking the right plants for the location. Laurel is fine, but it won't tolerate really high wind or um, scorching winds because the leaves are too big and they just get burnt and battered. So you'll never see really good hedge of a laurel in an exposed area. So my advice here is to go for something a lot more wind tolerant. So the Eliagnus abengii would be a better choice. The Escalonia would be a better choice or Grisolinia would be a better choice. So any of those three. So I wouldn't plant any more laurel here. I would actually change the plants to something different. Again, bring a picture of that into your local garden centre, yeah. explain the exposure and they'll advise you on, on um, the correct plants to, to choose. Okay. Um, Somebody's wondering if they can lift roses and replant them. Yeah, I would, I would, yeah, 100%. So again, there's going to be new buds on the roses. So prune them back to six inches and then dig the plants up and transplant them today or over the next few days and plant them at the same level, but no problem whatsoever. And also, uh, what is the best type of compost for starting and growing seeds into plants? Well, you're looking for a, you can actually buy seed compost. So Bordenamona do a very good range of various composts. Generally, seed composts have less nutrition in them than multi-purpose compost. Um, so you go into your local garden centre, ask for a seed-based compost. Now, having said that, if you cannot get it, a multi-purpose uh, compost would be fine as well. A little tip, so again, f- putting the compost into the tray, make sure that it's moist but not too wet, sow the seed, cover with cling film and then leave it sitting on your windowsill. And as soon as the seeds germinate, 
take off the cling film and away you go. Okay, here's an interesting one. A, a lavender bush spread about six foot and was doing great. Somebody working on my roof threw stuff down on it and flattened it. <laughs> will it will it survive? Oh, my heart goes out to you, listener. I shouldn't be laughing, no. but... Um, so will it survive? Well, look, at lavender is one of these plants that has the ability to reshoot again. So, look, my advice is to go out, trim it back, whatever's been damaged, cut it back, uh, you know, uh, below that damaged area, give it a little bit of feed and it should kick back into growth again. I'd be, I'd be pretty sure it's going to come back again. Can you imagine it was six foot wide? Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so, yeah, trim it back and give it a feed and, and it should kick back into growth again. Okay, somebody wondering, what is the best plants not too tall for a rockery that will come up every year, but we're in a very open space and the wind kills them? Yeah, well, here's here's a great um, example of, uh, so we'll go for the alpine plants. So we had a question in about the fox subulata flocks, uh, subulash, the ground covering flocks. So there's a whole range of alpine plants available in garden centres at the moment. So things like Aubretia, they're just coming into flower. The blue campanula do really well. Dianthus, which only grow three or four inches in height and again carpet the ground. Um, So pop into your local garden centre, ask them for their alpine or rockery plants. Generally plant them in groups of threes or fives to get that carpet effect or that ground covering effect. And they'll tolerate, they come from the Alps. They grow in mountainous kind of gravelly areas and they're well able to tolerate the wind. Brilliant. Um, and I have a 10 foot high Chinese lantern Lovely. that needs cutting back. Don't, when and how, well, don't do it. Don't do it now. So this is the beautiful crinodendron, the Chinese lantern tree, um, or it's, it's actually uh, correctly called the Chilean lantern tree. Mm. And the Chinese lantern is a different plant and, and it's more a herbaceous plant. But anyway... Um, we won't get pedantic. Is that no, the word? No, we won't get pedantic uh, so, about so these things. So it's it's um, it's crinodendron. It produces lovely flowers. They're actually coming into flower very soon. So leave it alone. Once the flowers go off, that's time to prune it. So prune it about the middle of June. Now I have an alocasia indoor plant, large green leaves. Yeah, I mightn't be pronouncing that correctly. Leaves starting to droop, bending stem over, then yellow and die. Weekly drop of water and an occasional feed is what's happening here. And, Any suggestions? And I would suggest it's probably just been overwatered. Uh, you're, you're giving it too much water, like the yellowing of the foliage, the fact that the leaves are dro- drooping as well. The best way to test where the plants need water is actually to lift them. So if, if, if they're light, obviously that you need to add water. Mm. If it's if it's the, the compost is heavy, leave it for another week or so. Maybe if the listener sends us a picture in yep, next week. Great. We'll have a, a better idea. Yeah, take a, maybe a picture of the compost and a picture of the foliage and we'll have a better idea. But it sounds to me like it might be getting a little bit too much water. Now, is boxes okay for the seaside? Well, not really. Boxes is the boxwood and like... Seaside is all relevant to to um, you know how, how exposed the garden is and so on. If it's an exposed area, then don't plant boxwood there or boxes because it'll be damaged by the salt and the wind. Go for your Iliagnus or your uh, Escalonia or something that's wind tolerant. If it's a sheltered garden, then it'll be perfectly happy. Great. Um, what is the name of the blue campanula that trails down a wall? There's a variety called Porto. So Campanula Porto. Um, there are a couple of different varieties, but they're available in garden centres at the moment. They come in a lovely shade of blue and white. And uh, you'll see already from the plant that it's beginning to cascade. But some of the other plants I mentioned, like the Phlox, mm-hmm. Subulata, that would be a lovely plant to trail as well. The Obricia would work as well, or Arabus. But um, Campanula Porto is the one I think they're looking for. Okay. Now we have a lawn here that's probably a bit on the bare side. Yeah. Uh, Somebody wondering, would you have something to thicken a new lawn? It was late last September, just before the rain. Do you know what the best treatment for that is? 
the lawnmower. Cut. Give it a cut. <laughs> yes, give it a trim. Like grass, grass grows. Like that's exactly how it's nice expected. Lawn. It's, it's a beautiful yeah. lawn, but you can see it's bare. It's a little bit bare in patches. The grass is right. You know, it's 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 covered with grass, but the the grass hasn't started to fill out yet or tiller and that will only happen when you start to mow the lawn so even though it's quite short there get the lawn mower out take the top off it but also feed it so feed it with just a straight lawn fertiliser like um, Osmo Pro 1 which will green it without forcing it and it'll keep it green for up to three months but the key thing it needs is the lawn mower so next ride Easter weekend or Wednesday Thursday of next week start trimming it Okay, we've got a couple, That's our fortinia, yeah. a couple of a couple of plants yeah. here, uh, and wondering is it okay to, to, to move, move them, them now? So we have yeah. a red robin there, have we? Oh yeah, so that's fortinia red robin. So you're fine to move. So my advice again is just to trim it back first, and then lift it and transplant it. The other plant is ribus, the the flowering red currant. It's beautiful in flower at the moment. Yeah, um, So again, if you need to move it, dig it up now and transplant it. Okay, super duper. Um, no, sorry. Uh, wondering, oh, about growing flowers that will be good to sow around a fountain in the centre of my garden. Oh, yeah. Well, again, some of the low growing... showstopper ones, would they be, or...? Showstoppers. Well, you know, <laughs> fountain... Oh, yeah, something dramatic. Yeah. Well, things like that. If you want if you want plants that are vulgar in flower... Oh, come on now. <laughs> so maybe some of the begonias or some of the summer flowering plants would be lovely. You know, geraniums and begonias and, and busy lizzies. I mean, they're just... They, they flower with vulgarity. Okay, yeah, well, that's <laughs> like, what we need. Yeah, in, yeah. Vul- vulgar in a good way. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're saying. So, yeah, so look at... Uh, you know, if you want colour at the moment, it'll, it'll be things like violas and summer pansy or the, uh, the pansies are just beginning to bloom and, um, uh, you know, lots of the plants we mentioned already like the dianthus and the osteospernums would be lovely, lovely but if you want really a blaze of colour for summer then I would hold out for the begonias and the busy lizzies and uh, the summer bedding plants they'll, yeah. they'll do the job <laughs> yeah, they sure right. will. Michelle. Dahlias would be lovely as well yeah. big flowering dahlias, dahlias. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle is in London, she has put a bucket over the rhubarb as advised well done. wondering when does she take well, it well take a sneak preview now Michelle it depends when you when you cover them but they should be ready for harvesting, the idea of putting the bucket on them obviously is to force them and to, to uh, fool the plant into thinking it's still underground and it produces lovely long pink stems so once this, the stems are about 12 inches long Michelle that's the time to start harvesting them I would guess they're ready to to um to harvest and maybe send us a picture of the rhubarb pie. Okay, yes, yes indeed, in the absence of being able to uh, yeah. to taste it. Okay, uh, we have a photograph in of a grass. plant and we're wondering what yeah, it might be. This looks like carex, which is a grass like plant. Uh, you can see the old stems from last year right at the top there. They need to be trimmed back and just tidied up. And uh, so that can be done now and give it a feed and it'll start kicking to growth again. Okay, so Carex. Carex. Carex, yeah. Okay, well on Carex I'm afraid we have to pause for That's this it for morning. this week, is yes, it already? It is. Yeah. So. Okay, so do remember your local garden centre, um, so so stay within your five kilometres. Very Many fun. garden centres are avail- have the online as well. And look, at my advice really is pop in over the weekend, over the next couple of days, because garden centres will be extremely busy uh, from next Wednesday, Thursday onwards. Okay, brilliant. Porik, thank you so much. Uh, all uh, going well. We'll be back in action again next Saturday, just after nine. Uh, that's it from me as well for now. Uh, do stand by. Michael Neary coming your way with the very best in country right through until one o'clock this afternoon here on Midwest Radio and uh, local news on the way with John Morley. For me for the moment, good morning to you.